Hi, and welcome to the Story So Far podcast. I'm Kerr Matheson, and on this podcast, I talk to businesses and individuals about their journeys, challenges, solutions, and the future. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Story So Far. With me this time is Donna Robertson of Square Insurance Brokers. Uh, Donna's based in Renfrewshire, and I've met Donna through quite a few different networking events. So she's come along today to tell us how she got into what she does now and explain, I suppose, a little bit more about it. So welcome, Donna. Thank you very much for having me. No, it's good to have you here. Um, let's just get started, eh? Okay. Uh, tell us, how, how did you get started in um, insurance brokerage? Ah, yes, insurance. So um, it started way back in secondary school. And I guess um, nobody really starts off saying when they're younger, what I want to be when I'm older is an insurance broker. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that, I mean, my four-year-old did say the other day to my two-year-old, you're my insurance broker. So I'm not sure many four-year-olds would even even know that term. (laughs) But for me, it's... um, it started in secondary school and it was when I was appointed to go to an insurance broking office for work experience. And I remember going back to my guidance teacher saying, is there nowhere else you can put me? I really don't want to do this. Um, but no, they couldn't change it, which was actually a lucky result for me because I loved it. Um, so after that week, I went back to school. I'd gone into my fifth year there. I, I wasn't really the academic type. So I ended up leaving halfway through and applying for jobs in insurance. Um, and that was when you could pick up work much easier than you can these days. So after right. two weeks of not getting anything, I was thinking, right, OK, what am I going to do here? And I went back to the office that I'd done the work experience in, even though they weren't advertising, just to put my CV in. Because I thought there's no harm in sending it in and, and see if anything comes off it in the future. And lo and behold, they offered me a job. So uh-huh. I, I started there and I stayed with them for a couple of years. And I love my time there. Um, when I'd been there for a couple of years, I was doing car and house insurance. And another broker was moving into Inverness. That's where I lived at the time. So they're moving into the Inverness area to do business insurance. So I jumped at the chance to learn a few more things and I've never looked back. Wow. <laughs> so I'm I'm completely ignorant of the insurance world other than the fact that I know I need it. Yes. Um, you know, I'm so you know, make, making a jump from um sort of doing the car insurance and things to business insurance, how different is that? Oh, do you know it was a massive leap because at that stage I must have been 18. And I knew nothing about businesses. And with um, insurance broking, it's no one specific area that I've ever uh, specialised in. So it can be anything. So one day you can be dealing with a solicitor. The next you can be dealing with a tree feller. You can be dealing with a shop blaster. It's so varied. Um, At 18, I had no experience of any other business type. So it was a massive learning curve. Oh, right. Yes, right enough. So that was up in Inverness, you were saying? That was in Inverness, yes. Right. So um, so that's where I was born. So I stayed up there and worked there for, I think it would have been four years. The company that had had moved in had offices throughout the UK. And I, um, my brother was living down in Glasgow at the time and I really fancied a move. So um, after going to them a few times, doing a pitch, how I could maybe be seconded down there, they eventually agreed. So it was uh, going to be setting up on a six-month basis. But what I didn't tell my boss was at the time is that I'd actually bought a house in Glasgow. So I had no intention of going back. 
So they thought they thought it was a secondment, and you had other ideas. I was fully committed. Oh, I can see the I can see the entrepreneurial journey started there. Then, <laughs> exactly. Oh, fantastic! So you, so you, that, that was a that was an absolute for you. You were you were definitely moving down there, and yeah, um, that was happening. Great, great, mm-hmm. Okay, what was what was so attractive? Was it Glasgow in particular, or, or was it just you were needing new challenges and, and somewhere bigger? I think it was. There was um, there was just much more opportunity. I found when you moved down to Glasgow, and of course, you know Inverness is beautiful and it's so picturesque. But yeah. for a young person, um, Glasgow just had a lot more to offer. Um, it was just a bit more buzzing and vibrant, and I loved it. And it was nice that I had family down there with my brother being in university. So yeah, that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? It does. You know, when you're taking up a new challenge like that. So, so you end up in Glasgow, um, apparently seconded to, <laughs> to that office. Um, yes. And then what, what happens when they find out you didn't want to come back? <laughs> yes, that was, that was a bit of an awkward one. But eventually I had been there long enough that I'd been I'd able to prove myself within the Glasgow office so I could jump into a different team. So that helped me remove from the Inverness side and move fully into the Glasgow office. Uh, and was it still sort of business insurance and things? It was, yeah, it was. It, but it was, it was interesting because I was dealing with um, sort of more the SMEs, small to medium enterprise businesses uh, uh, when, the, when I was part of the Inverness side. And then when I moved over to the Glasgow team, I moved into corporate. So then that was going to be another string to my bow that I would learn about much bigger businesses and the different types of insurance that they buy. Um, there was less yeah. volume in it, but you really got into the depth of each each business and got to know them really well. So mm-hmm. it was an, another part that added to my CV. Well, that's ideal, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So how long was it in Glasgow working for that office then before you, you decided you needed another challenge? So I stayed there for another three years and got a job across the road from there after that. So um, <laughs> running out to that interview was interesting at lunchtime, making sure that nobody had seen me. So I, I moved from that office to another office. And then this was a global broker that I was moving to. So again, it's just building up on all that knowledge to see how each different business type handle their, yeah. their clients. So I stayed there for two years and it was a well-known um, company they had made redundancies so at the time they had sponsored a a big football club that you might have heard of uh, Manchester United and and around about that time the team that I was working in got disbanded so I was offered redundancy and I I took it and I was really lucky because I got the redundancy and fell into another job but this time it was moving to a fairly new startup and it was a, an underwriter that referred me in. Um, it was to join a company that had been going for roughly a year when, when I joined, so very mm-hmm. early days. And, and again, it was a really good learning curve because you've gone from working with a large corporate where you've got a very, very fixed um, job yeah. description to a new startup where you just got involved in everything and anything. So you could be involved in recruitment, you could be involved in compliance, you could be involved in sales. So that gave me a real good knowledge um, to help me where I am today. Um, And I suppose the confidence to do it. So I I really enjoyed that role. So in amongst learning all these these extra bits, 
um, and getting the opportunities to to sort of do more and more. Um, was was the idea of sort of entrepreneurship and setting up yourself was that always kind of in the background, or did it sort of build over that time? I would say it probably built over time. I mean, <laughs> go way back when I was maybe five years old in the house with my file of facts thinking that I, I own some sort of big office somewhere. Um, but in reality, I, I like the security of working for somebody. But yeah. as I joined the company that um, was newly set up and I was putting all extra hours into this and I'd started to think, imagine if this was all for me. Imagine that I was doing all this work and, and I was the one that was gaining from it. And I think that's mm. when the seed had planted that mm, actually that might be a potential for the future. Oh yeah, yeah, um, and and so your your journey from that startup business then was there was there more to come before you decided to start up by yourself? Well, it had come around when I was pregnant with my first daughter, so that would have been about mm. five years ago, and I was off on maternity leave, and there was advertising on LinkedIn, and it just really hit the spot for me. And it was uh, targeted for women on maternity leave um, for when you return, maybe being your own boss, flexible hours. And it really appealed. So I looked into it at that time, but I wasn't ready for it. It was too big a step to having my my first child and then a business. So I went back to the job. And um, when it came round to being pregnant for the second time, I knew I didn't want to go back to that role. So I don't know what goes on with me in pregnancy, but it must give me some sort of confidence boost because my regular state of mind would have said six months pregnant, starting to apply for new jobs is absolute madness. (laughs) Your world is going to be turned upside down. Stay in your job for a bit of certainty. But um, Mm -hmm. there was no talking me down. So I put the feelers out and I did get offered a job. And in fact, the contract came through the very week that I was about to start my maternity leave with this other firm um so trust me nobody saw that resignation letter coming (laughs) not from this woman waddling into the office but um, I know I know I was again determined um and as much as and I've posted about this on LinkedIn you know I love being a mother and I love my girls but I still have a, a career that I want to pursue and I don't think that being pregnant and being a mother should hold you back Oh gosh, no. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I, I started this next job. I did go back earlier. So um, my youngest, Ruby, she was four months when I returned to work. But at that time, my husband took off some paternity leave. So, um, so it's not as though they okay. had to go into nursery straight away. Yeah. So I went in there and, and the plan was really to work there for a few years. As much as I still thought I really want to own my own business. I'd been with mm. the previous firm for nine years. I wanted to see how another company did it and this other company were chartered and I thought it would just give me a greater technical understanding on, on a different way to conduct business. But okay. as it was, it wasn't really um, the case and I didn't see a, a great future there, to be honest. So I was then having the thoughts, what do I do next? You know, I've got nine years on my CV at this previous firm and now I've got mm. this, what could be looked as a blip on my CV. Um, and it wasn't until somebody pointed out the obvious is that um, if you're planning owning your own business at some stage, why not just bring it forward a few years and start it now? And after thinking about it for some time, I decided to go for it. Great. 
Uh, yeah. Great, what a challenge. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You can say that again. It was uh, setting up a new company. We were um, moving house at the time and the uh, house that we had bought, the timing didn't quite align. So we had to move out of our house into an Airbnb for three weeks and then into the new house in February of this year. And then, of yeah. course, March 2020 came along. <laughs> which stopped everything in its tracks and we got to know the house really well since we were stuck in it about 90% of the time <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh but it's yeah. it's testament to your determination um, and things that, that you, and I suppose resilience and, and all these words that you could use to describe it that um, you, you, you were obviously your own business was the direction you were going to go in and so once you were down that path that, yeah. that nothing was going to stop you, was it? I think that's the yeah, fair to say. Yes, fully committed yeah. and um, yeah, ready just to make it a go of it. There was no going back. I mean, there's always, I suppose, a bit of a safety net that you, that you hope that if anything did go wrong, you could get paid employment again. There's always mm-hmm. that, but you, you know yourself, you really want to make this work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that. That is not the. That's only ever the backup plan, yes. isn't it? You yes. Yes. You know, and and possibly the second or third backup plan. Yes. You know, not 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 even the first one. <laughs> um, oh no, that's great. That is absolutely fantastic. So, um, as you again, with my ignorance of the insurance market and things, um, do you get the opportunity to um, you know, take clients with you from job to job, or or were you able to? Uh, I suppose what I'm getting at was were you starting absolutely from from a clean slate in your own business or were you able to bring some business with you sort of thing i was i was lucky that i was able to bring some business with me um, so when i set up the business my covenant period had come to an end at the firm that i'd been with for nine years and during that time i had my own book of clients that i dealt with for more or less that mm. length of time so the first obvious port of call was to see whether any of them would move over with me. Yeah. And I was very fortunate that uh, a few did, probably a handful, not as many as I hoped, I must say. Um, and there's various reasons for that, yeah. but one that I hope that I can go back for in the future. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, at least it gave me a starting off point. So it gave me yeah, some clients to work with from the almost initial get-go. And that was a relief. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, because because it is difficult. Um, you know the the idea of starting it, but so many people do it. And I've spoken to quite a few people on the on the, the series um, about the fact that they've maybe started out uh, with something as I did, really mm-hmm. uh, coming from something that was completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know how mad is it to start something up that you you don't even have a customer for now? So, <laughs> so it's good to hear that you were able to to take something with you because I wasn't sure how that worked with insurance. Yes. But that's good. Um, great. So, so right. So, how long is that that you've been in business for yourself now? Then since December last year. Right. Okay. And and has lockdown had quite an effect on what you were hoping that first year would contain, or is it the case that you've been able to be quite remote and things anyway? Well, do you know it's an interesting one because I would say that lockdown has almost worked in my favour, and and you don't want to say mm. that too much because you feel bad for all the companies that have suffered during lockdown and yeah, people that may have yeah. lost their jobs. From my position, though, and especially being a new startup business, um, it worked in my favour in that I wasn't having to do as much travelling, so I was saving on fuel expenses. When you mm. would go and visit a client, sometimes you'd be a full day out of the office, and all of a sudden, overnight, we've switched to doing 
Zoom calls. Yeah. So from yeah. that side of things, it's been absolutely brilliant for me. Um, and I think yeah. as, as time goes on, maybe clients that wouldn't have looked at another broker in the past because they'd be com- comfortable with what they have in place, they're comfortable with their mm. costs, may start to see that, well, actually, business is a bit tighter than it would normally be. Maybe I do need to review those costs rather than just take at face value that my, my first offering is the best offer. So I'm hoping yeah. it's going to open up more opportunities for me as time goes on that those clients that maybe would have had closed doors, I could maybe get my foot in the door now and, and see whether I could put a different proposition to them. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and it's good to hear that. Um, but but you're right, it feels a little bit odd saying that because we know that, that so many businesses have been you know, severely affected. I know. Uh, you know, and, and, and yet, you know, there is... Oh, we saw it all over social medias and things. Um, you know, slightly earlier in the year, people feeling guilty for yeah. for still for still advertising or trading or trying to drum up business and things because other people were just in the position of, well, you know, that's it. Our, our business is furloughed and, and staff are, are off and, and so on. Yeah, I know it's that balance to be able to, I suppose, advertise sensitively because you don't want to be seen to make a, a profit out of the situation. Um, but equally, you yeah. want to be there to see well. I could maybe help save you some of your costs, or I could maybe improve your cover, or I could maybe restructure it for you in a different way. Just, you know, maybe get in touch and we can see what we can do for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so something that that I'm hoping to speak to to all my guests about this series is um, how we go about finding these customers. Um, you know, and so you've said that you managed to to bring some customers with you, which is great. But uh, in terms of of you know advertising your business, um, last week or a fortnight ago, I was speaking to Trevor about things like does email marketing still work is there still a place for that sort of thing or is it all social media um or is it word of mouth you know, how what's your take on on how best to build your business audience and, and be as industry specific or not as you like about that yeah email marketing isn't something that i've ever really done before and i think probably because when i get an email in like that I tend not to read it. So I've got quite a short attention span. (laughs) Yes. If there's a whole lot of text there, it's probably going to go into the deleted box. Um, My approach is a bit scattergun. So it's it's previous clients that I've I've spoken to. I've done a bit of local marketing in the the local magazine, and that's just come out this month. Hmm. But I think where the biggest opportunity is on LinkedIn, actually, and it's something that I haven't exploited in the past. But since lockdown, I've been posting a bit more regularly. I suppose I've been a bit more personal on it as well, so people get to know me. And it's been interesting, the new cases that I've picked up from it. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I picked up a, a new bit of business down in Cornwall. And that would never have happened pre-lockdown because you still tend to service your local area, whereas lockdown has just, it's opened all this up. So it was a quick message between two people. um, She liked my strap line. She confirmed she absolutely hated insurance. So maybe we could work (laughs) together. And that was really refreshing, that new approach. So oh, for brilliant. me, I think LinkedIn's going to be the way forward, as well as the um, the virtual networking, following up with one to ones, and, and I suppose not forgetting yeah. client referrals as well. Again, probably another area that I I didn't do much on previously, but mm-hmm. um, just having that conversation, you know, we're working well together. I've done a great package for you. You're happy with the costs. Would you be happy to refer me on? 
and and so far mm. that's worked well as well. Oh, great, great. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I always wonder what kind of position um, insurance companies are in because uh, as a consumer, we don't particularly enjoy dealing with <laughs> anybody that has anything to do with insurance because A, we're paying for it in the hope that we never need to use it. So there's no return. And B, if we ever do need to use it, the impression is that it's always going to be a hassle. Yeah. And um, I, I was on a couple of networking things earlier this week where um, there were insolvency practitioners. Oh, right. and, and they said exactly the same. They said, nobody ever wants to see us coming through the door no. or talk to us because that means that your business is in trouble mm-hmm. or, or you know, your business is winding up or, or you know, there are cost cuttings and all the rest of it. Do you find that, that there's a, a kind of negativity around the insurance world when it comes to that? Or? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, there is absolutely yeah. that. But I don't think the insurance world do themselves any favours. So in my opinion, right. when I cause offence to anybody, I find <laughs> that the um, insurance industry's customer service falls so far below the bar. Um, but it's almost mm. self-perpetuating because you almost become conditioned to the fact that if you set a deadline date, an underwriter is going to miss it. Um, and it becomes a norm that you expect that you're going to have to chase something three, four, five times before getting a response. And I really don't think that we should stand for it. And I especially don't think that clients should stand for it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I'm working on a case at the moment and the prospect saying to me, um, oh, I've not heard from my broker yet or the, the broker hasn't heard back from the insurer. And I want to scream that this is not acceptable because often clients are left within hours um, of their renewal date and then they're only getting the renewal terms and at that stage mm-hmm. there's no opportunity for them to back back on it or explore other options um, and the thing with insurance is that policies will due for renewal annually so yeah. once you've gone past that renewal date the other person has 364 days notice that it's going to fall due for renewal again so there really <laughs> is no excuse in my opinion that things are left last minute yeah yeah, absolutely. I know that that's very valid. But but is that is that where an insurance broker can can be helpful, I suppose, in that sense? I mean, I would hate having to deal with insurance companies directly myself. Oh, well, I always do hate having to do that. Um, you know, as a consumer, um, you know, but as a business, I, I can imagine it's um, it's even more difficult. And uh, does that is that one place that your role fits in that you can form a bridge sort of thing? So yes, as a broker. I think we should all be pushed for better customer experience. So the broker should be able to negotiate everything in time, but there's absolutely no reason why a client um, shouldn't demand that they get their terms, you know, within two weeks before the renewal date or mm-hmm. on a specific report or on a specific basis. They don't have to be submissive to whatever the broker tells them. They can demand how they want it, and they should, I think. Um, it would help everybody just sharpen their yeah. practices and, and their pencil and how they go about it because not one size fits all um, I don't know if you're like me but I I absolutely hate getting a really long lengthy wordy document it just my brain freezes yeah. it, I put it off um, and and we can't expect everybody to be the same way so you need to I suppose read the client or, or the client tells you look I don't like this maybe you put it in a PowerPoint summary for me, but if you need to do the compliance bit, yeah, run through it with me. But my main focus is going to be on the high level detail. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. fine. So yeah, the broker should really, everything should be tailored a bit more to the client than it is at the moment. 
no that's good to hear <laughs> so that's a, a a very busy sounding life then as, as a broker um you know fitting in the gap between the the, the clients and all the rest of it. and then of course as a business woman business person however you want to be described <laughs> um you know then you know doing all of that and the the, the social marketing media and, and you know everything else that goes along with running your own business um you'd mentioned there that you have two girls wasn't it that's right yes yeah um and so you know how how are you fitting in <laughs> running your own business um you know, within its first year, mm-hmm. uh, and deciding to have done that um, very early in uh, in your child's lives, mm-hmm. um, and things. How how do you fit all of that in with also you know being a mother, being you know a wife at home, um, you know working from home? Do it. Yeah. it must be you know for a start, it must be difficult to actually get work done at home. <laughs> surely, <laughs> yes. During lockdown, it was absolute torture. So when the girls were here and my husband and I are trying to work and you're, ne- you're not doing either very well. You're not doing your work that well and you're not <laughs> giving them the attention that yeah. they deserve. And just you feel like you're failing at both. So whenever yeah. it would come to five o'clock and you know you were kind of officially finished the, the day, um, then you could dedicate time before they went to bed. But it's a massive challenge. And then, as you say, um, everything else still needs to be ticked off. So I'm finding that I'm logging back on at night when they go to bed. And then that's in amongst doing the dinners, catching up on the washing, keeping the house out, a fairly respectable standard, depends whose standards (laughs) you're reviewing. Yeah. yeah. Um, But it's a real, real challenge that I've I've found. Um, An enjoyable one, but Mm -hmm. you almost... You almost work a bit too much at everything that you forget that you need some downtime. Um, and I suppose yeah. that's really important that we try and factor in at least at the weekend that the husband and I can sit down and, and watch some TV or do something that doesn't need to be for somebody else. But yes. I do find it a real challenge trying to um, do the business, look after the girls. Gosh, yeah, that's that's quite a challenge. Um, you know, having having your your two daughters at home during lockdown and things. I I have three, but at least two of them are usually able to take care of themselves. So during lockdown, it wasn't too bad for me. Um, I can only imagine the challenges that, that you were going through. Oh, right. yes. Um, yes, you but, can't really uh, say to them, "Hang on a minute, Mummy's got a deadline. Can you wait till I'm finished?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No tolerance for that. <laughs> it's like yeah mommy we've got deadlines too Peppa Pig starts in five minutes so come on exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> oh brilliant um okay so so uh, you know you, you've told us about um where you started in insurance and you moved down to Glasgow and, and you moved between companies and starting the family and then starting your business mm-hmm. granted it's less than a year old or coming up for a year old um are you thinking about how you want the business to to go in the future? Is there, you know, uh, major growth plans, or, or are you um, happy with doing what you're doing, or are you, you, you know, tell us a, a little bit about what you think the future holds yeah. for you? Yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel like this could change depending on the day or the hour of the week. So yeah, there course. was never a, oh. <laughs> never a, a business plan written written as such. Um, other than having in my head roughly what I want to do. So with the girls being um, still young, part of me thinks that maybe I could get to, you know, a nice lifestyle where I've got a good bank of clients, I've got a reasonable income, and I've got a bit more freedom to come and go to help through school hours. 
But on the flip side, I'm also thinking some days, well, actually, I've, I've got a real passion to grow this. And I really think that we could do something different. And we can be the company that changes the whole customer service experience for people um, when they go to get their insurance. And and then I see, you know, maybe bringing extra people into the business and, and growing it that way. Um, wow. So, yes, it's, it's, it's scary when you stop to think about it. But I think I think I'll just have to wait to see how things evolve. There's loads of good opportunities out there, um, and it's a case mm-hmm. of going for them, seeing how it pans out, and then moving the business along to to make sure that you can then service it. Yeah, and 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 I guess it's a little bit like um, when you first started the journey, in that you you had one eye on um, starting your own company for. Uh, uh, for a little while you know yeah. and then decided you know situation changed a little bit you brought it forward or or did, you know did it sooner than you thought you would and so yeah. so maybe it's very much the same about the future in that you 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 certainly sound like you have an eye on there's a dream there's a goal yeah. of of you know, changing the way that that uh, that it's portrayed and the way that we do things and customer service base and stuff um but at the same time let's not you know, rush into it. Let's make sure that um, that you're comfortable and you're happy with doing what you're doing, and and so on. Um, you know, for uh, yeah, before striving on for world domination. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, but it is. I, I I find it very difficult, and and I, I know most of the people I've spoken to find it quite difficult to say, okay, well, you know. Here we are in five years. I'm going to be like this, and yet that's that's you know that is preached to us quite a lot about um, growth plans and and um, you know the business coaches and things saying you know visualize where you're going to be in five years and and you can get there and things. And some of us just want to say, you know, I'm quite happy if I'm still here in five years. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's funny as well, isn't it, that things can change very very quickly. So as mm-hmm. much as I absolutely want to be here in, in five years' time. But it could look very different. And, and there's a sort of side project that I'm working on, um, more on the insure tech side of things. Mm-hmm. So as much as the core business will very much remain as the broking side, there might be a chance for you to, to change the path slightly um, yeah. and bring in another side of it, which enhances what you do, but brings in extra revenue streams, which something I hadn't thought about when I started in December last year. And that's only 10 months in. And there's already yeah. maybe a, a switch in the plan coming forward. So yeah, things yeah. in a five-year plan, yeah, you do wonder how much value yeah. it has because things can change very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it. That's the nature of the, the changing landscape of having your own business and, and things come along. And some of them are worth pursuing and other ones you think, mm, not right now. Yes. That's not hope. So good, good exactly. stuff. Um, it strikes me that you have a slightly different way of, of thinking about things. I mean, you talked earlier about challenging the fact that you know your insurance service is not known for their customer service values and, and that sort of thing. Um, what sort of things are you doing differently, do you think, to other brokers that, that are going to change that? Where I see that I can add value is not just on the personal service, because it's me and I get to know the person. But I think there should be opportunities for the client to promote their own business. So when you've got a broker coming in to quote for you, what tends to happen is the broker will come in, they'll ask you a series of questions, and then they'll put all this into a presentation. But as the client, you're very reliant on them having understood your business properly. And if they've not understood Mm. it, and then they're passing that on to an underwriter to quote on, then 
you're getting back terms that might not be quite suitable for you. Right. So I would like to be able to do it in a way, and I've started doing it this way, that there's a bit more transparency in there so that the client gets to maybe see those presentations and has influence on how you describe the business, but then taking it a stage forward. And I've started to interview some clients. So maybe they want to get across the initial pitch on who they are, why they exist, who they service, how they deal with health and safety. Because otherwise, the client never gets to send their own message. Some of the bigger cases yeah. will tend to get um, insurance surveyors going out, usually after they've gone on cover with the insurer. But even then, it's the risk surveyor that's going out. It's not the underwriter who actually puts the pricing onto the risk. And I feel like that's a real gap there. And considering mm -hmm. where we are these days with technology, there's no reason why the, the, the client ha can't have a bit more involvement. And I know, I know people don't like insurance, um, and I know they tend not to want to get involved. But if it's a two-minute video explaining who you are so that somebody gets yeah. a better feel for the business, then that's got to be better all round. Yeah, surely. I mean, surely that's actually something that everybody can see a bit of value in. Um, the reason we don't necessarily like to deal with insurance companies is because, you know, we, we all just fit in a box yes. for them. And that, you know, whereas what you're proposing is 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 completely different. That that I would imagine should be something people want to engage in. That sounds fantastic, isn't it? Because we all talk about it being a relationship business, and I know myself. I have an underwriters that I like to work with, and underwriters that I know less of. Um, so naturally, when you've got queries, you'll go to the ones that you speak to on a regular basis. So why not have a bit more of that human engagement between the client and the ultimate pricer, being the underwriter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea. Hmm, good. <laughs> Well, that has been absolutely fantastic, Donna, to, to hear all your story and, and all your insights on, you know, the, the insurance world and um, how how you're changing things up, really. That sounds fantastic. It Thank really you. does. Um, give me a bit of an insight then into to either sort of who your ideal clients are or what your, your favourite part about, you know, servicing people with insurance is or, you know, what, what can people really reach out to you for? Um, I'm there pretty much to help anybody that's in business. So if you've got a business and you're needing insurance for it, doesn't matter what size or industry you are, I would be more than happy to help out. Um, I like to ask lots of questions so I get a better understanding of you. Um, but no, no, I'm, I'm there to help everybody. Sometimes brokers have been referred to in the past as the GP. So I'll be there because I don't specialize in one particular area. I'm there to service all, and I will give you my thoughts on all. That sounds great, Donna. I, I really like your your GP analogy there. <laughs> thank um, you. You, know, you can you can help people with everything. That's uh, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Listen, it's been really nice to talk to you. Um, thank you very much for for coming along and, and telling us all your story and your challenges and um, and uh, your hope for changes in the future. It's been really good fun. No, thanks um, for having me. It's been really enjoyable. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. We will put all of Donna's contact details into the show notes. Um, so if you have any insurance needs whatsoever, it sounds like Donna is the place to go. Um, well, not that Donna is a place, but uh, <laughs> Donna is the person to go to at her place. Oh, made a... <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, please do get in touch with her if you feel she can do anything for you. Um, and that's us for this time. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next time on The Story So Far.
Thanks for listening to the story so far. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe through your podcast app. This podcast is produced by Audio Outsource and is available on all good podcast apps, including Apple and Spotify. If you'd like to appear as a guest on the story so far, check out the show notes for details on how to get in touch.